Hello and welcome to the EG Property Podcast with me, EG Editor Sam McClary. In this episode of The Fundamentals of the Future, we're exploring how the pathway to success never follows a straight line and how that could never be more true than it is in real estate's journey along the pathway to net zero carbon. In this 40-minute listen, I'm talking with John Davies, Head of Sustainability at Derwent London, Jonathan Hale, Sustainability Director at BNP Paribas Real Estate, Andrew Leeper, Net Zero Carbon Leader and Principal Engineer at Max Fordham, and Andries van der Velt, Real Estate Director at Verco, to find out what real estate will need to do to be able to stay on the path to net zero, despite some ever-moving goalposts. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the EG Property Podcast and we are back with another uh, episode looking at the wonderful world of sustainability and in this discussion which I know is going to be fascinating we're talking about the route to net zero and the very fact that it is never ever a straight line many many routes to success are never a straight line they're all over over the place but there's a lot that we need to um, flex with when it comes to reaching net zero. So we have gathered four experts from across the industry to to talk us through what the sector needs to do to make sure that it it keeps up and keeps on a path, however straight or wiggly it is uh, as we uh, make our way towards net zero carbon. So I'm going to pass to each of our speakers today to give us a little bit of an introduction and tell us why they think the the pathway to net zero is not as straight or straightforward as we might hope it would be. And first, I'm going to throw to John at Derwent. Thanks, Sam, and uh, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is John Davis. I'm the Head of Sustainability at Derwent London. We're a real estate investment trust focused on and based uh, here in London. That's where I am today. Um, yeah, really interesting one about the, uh, you know, uh, it's not necessarily a straight line between uh, now and 2030, 40 or 50 for your your net zero carbon journey. And as you quite rightly described, Sam, it certainly is going to be a very wiggly, <laughs> meandering course, number of different reasons. Um, I think first and foremost is that, you know, in real estate, that this sector in which we are all working, um, we're not the best at R&D. Um, I think that's a, a very sort of sort of quite sort of stark but honest appraisal that we need to get better at that R&D research and development. Many technology companies, fast moving consumer good companies, you know, they're already testing, you know, prototyping three or four editions of the equipment that you see out on the market today, way before they even reach, you know, reach us at home as a consumer or, or as a business, as a user. So that gives you an idea of looking at other sectors to say oh, how quickly and how 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 ferociously they're they're uh, employing this sort of R and D and I think there's many there's many pointers and many cues that we can take as as real estate um, you know um, participants and professionals to sort of take a leaf out of their book and say how can we accelerate some of that uh, some of that energy some of that focus and some of that sort of foresight into helping you know inject some of that into our net zero carbon journey. Fantastic. We'll definitely come back and talk about collaboration and who we can learn from later in the discussion. So thank you very much, John. Next, passing over to Jonathan. Hey, good afternoon. Um, I'm Jonathan Hale. I joined from BNP Paribas Real Estate today. 
And I've been within the industry over 12 years and within BNP Paribas Real Estate, joined as sustainability director within their property management team. So in effect, try to help all of our clients and the division itself get the best out of now with respect to the opportunities thrown up um, from sustainability and um, today's topic, net zero. Um, in, in terms of the uh, wiggly line, as it were, in terms of that future date ahead, I think um, everything has accelerated so quickly over the past few years. I think quicker than many of us industry experts perhaps would have um, hoped for. Um, but like anything, things need to move um, forwards um, at the same rate that they have been accelerating. And I think there is um, a knowledge gap, a resource gap, which we're feeling within the industry at the moment to get the right people with the right skills to help take action. And also because it is um, many years in the making, but this phase of action relatively new, there's a lot of um, alignment that needs to take place in terms of the various parties and stakeholders that need to be around the table discussing um, capital expenditure, uh, discussing what tenants want and what the property life cycle is going to be for, um, yes, the major buildings, but also some funds that we support have quite diverse portfolios and therefore they need um, that guidance that links them with um, their, their overall pathway for net zero. So I think, um, in short, a lot of information, um, the need for more resource and more time to focus on, on um uh, discussions um, that don't necessarily always re revolve around, um, in my world, fee earning in the first instance and consultancy. It's got to be around what's what's right for business and um, how can we support them? Cool, that's a challenge, but I like it. <laughs> Ambitious. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan. Andrew, over to you. Hi, Sam. Thanks very much. Um, my name is Andrew Leeper. I'm a principal mechanical electrical engineer at a building services consultancy called Max Fordham. I'm also Max Fordham's uh, net zero carbon leader. Uh, so I think um, I think the path to net zero by, say, 2050 is uh, going to be a wiggly course. Um, I think over the next decade, I think we feel like we're tooled up as designers and ready to go. We know what the issues are. We know how to tackle them and we know how to progress uh, in this transition because it is a transition and it does. And it's a transition because it relies on many more industries and sectors decarbonizing, not just construction. Um, and I think that's probably so over the next decade, uh, we know the route map to go. But beyond that, I think we're going to have to tweak the tweak the plan. And I don't think we can really see that until we get close to the end of this decade and see how we are in terms of our progress. I think one thing that's going to be a major, a major ongoing issue is resource use and really, and um, I think I read an International Energy Agency report on net zero by 2050 recently, and they're quoted 230 billion square meters of new construction is going to be built over the next 40 years. And that's an area, a surface area the size of Paris every week uh, for the next 40 years, which kind of puts into perspective the scale of our resources and the, the scale of this consumption of that. So I think embodied carbon and the way we use materials is going to be maybe next decade is going to come into more into the fore and we need to tackle that. That is a mind blowing number. I know, it made me weep almost. <laughs> what can we do? What we will try and find out during this um, conversation. Uh, last but by no means least, Andres. Thank you, Sam. Uh, Andres Vanavolt, I'm the head of real estate at Virco, 
and Verco is a specialist advisor to, um, in my division, to real estate owners and, and investors on strategies to decarbonize their portfolios, manage risk and protect and unlock value. Um, my own background is 16, the last 16 years has been in real estate as advisor to businesses um, of all shapes and forms. Um, in terms of the Wiggly line, I completely agree um, that the pathway is not going to be linear. Um, on some level, um, the goalposts will not move. We know what the imperative is. Um, the fact that we have a massive performance gap and a massive challenge around decarbonization, that won't change. The bigger emphasis on transparency and disclosure won't change. Um, and, you know, we, we now know that embodied carbon is a much bigger uh, part of the puzzle than we uh, would have thought before. We know we know that purchase good and services is more important than we perhaps anticipated before, thanks to the trailblazing work of the BBP um, signatories, um, really valuable learnings from that cohort. Um, there are significant challenges. That means it will be a wiggly path, though, and I think one that we're currently looking at is to do is more around geography and different definitions and understandings and frameworks of net zero carbon. So Verco has been commissioned by the Investment Property Forum to um, undertake a study that sets out how the challenge of achieving net zero carbon varies between sectors and geographies. Um, and how well the frameworks, to what extent the frameworks and definitions in use help us to address this. As part of that research, we're also looking at the unintended, potential unintended consequences of um, of these frameworks and, and definitions, such as uh, potentially a shortage of capital for harder to decarbonize assets um, and high embodied carbon emissions uh, from demolition and rebuilding to meet stringent operational energy and carbon targets. So um, indeed a very interesting challenge, uh, multifaceted, but the fantastic thing about this conversation is it has brought so many of these hard to reach areas into the light and there's a healthy debate and discussion around them. I couldn't agree, agree more and it's a a hearty and healthy debate and also a really fascinating debate and um, just from listening to each of your introductions there I've been scribbling away as I do and there are so there are so many um, different facets to to this conversation and my my second question to you all was going to be what do we need to do as an industry to to keep on on track and that you know having listened to you there are so, there are so many things that we need to keep on track with it seems you know that that knowledge gap that we've talked about before I think this issue of resources is a uh, mind-boggling and a, a huge um, issue that we need to get over the fact that we're not really spending on our R&D you know the acceleration that we've had over the past 15 months is great but are we able to to keep up and this um, the difference in geographies and sectors and the different stages that they're at how do we manage all of that so we do collectively as real estate which you know a big impact on the environment keep keep on on track so there is my second difficult question I will throw to Jonathan first I, I think um, in terms of staying on track amidst um, the soup that is out there um, for me it's in 
encouraging um, in terms of the introductions and meeting some of you for the first time, uh, especially from Andrew's perspective that, you know, from a, from a design and an embodied carbon aspect, you guys are ready to go. You've got the knowledge. Um, you know, I think, I think it's collectively um, citing, I guess, Sam, where you mentioned this, this knowledge gap, resource gap, um, Andre's touched on it as well. It's, it's everybody wants to get there. We're, we're all conscious of our day job and a new industry is growing every year out of ESG. Um, I, th I think really to, to stay on track, um, as Andre said, that the goal ahead won't move. If anything, it may come nearer. Um, and businesses really need to account for the level of resource that is required to do this properly on their bottom line. Um, that causes real estate funds to consider uh, in days gone by of old, whereby um, in, in the right way, um, the service charge was there to support the tenants. And one of the growing themes within that has been uh, the improvements to building performance sustainability. Um, now, um, ESG is a much broader responsibility and the overall model for real estate in terms of how the, the financial mechanism works um, now needs to be um, understood by um, certainly um, the highest level of governance and that needs to then be able to um, support and generate uh, the action that is required to help us get there. Andres, you were nodding along there. Indeed, um, agree with all of those. Um, perhaps I can just um, add to that. Um, I think, as I already said, transparency and disclosure is only going to become a more important part of the, the puzzle. So uh, we need data. Technology-enabled data flows is essential. Um, we see it in the SFDR, EU taxonomy, and you know, emerging um, regulation and policy. Uh, that's only going to become more important. We and when you have the data you can act on it second point perhaps is do not create barriers by locking in problems um, every refurbishment every opportunity for intervention plant replacement that passes that's not maximized um, as an opportunity locks in emissions for the next cycle and perpetuates the problem equally i'd argue with uh, leases when a new lease is agreed and there's no and there's no agreement around data sharing or collaboration that's uh, again perpetuating the problem. Um, from our perspective, having a clear understanding of how to decarbonize your assets, have a decarbonization plan for each of the assets and not an energy reduction plan, um, a, a plan with uh, net zero as the end goal, I think is really important. And then I think the collaboration with supply chain, I mentioned purchase good and services before, um, it is such an important part of the overall carbon footprint and um, it's, it is essential for um, asset owners and investors to work with their supply chains. Um, it's only through a partnership and collaboration that we will unlock uh, many of those issues and what the market needs is clear signals um, and the market will respond. Thanks. Um, John, is that something that, that you do at Derwent to make sure that not only you stay on track, but the supply chain does as well? This idea of not making sure that you don't lock in the problem. So every time there is an opportunity to, to make a change, you seize upon it. Yeah, I think I think 
whether 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 problems are locked in, I, I I don't know. I think it's more of a case of of whether people carry on with the status quo. I think that's a that's a a slightly more representative guide for the situation because nobody would meaningfully want to do that and wittingly want to do it. I think the situation is you, like all these things is you come at them, you come at them with the best intentions and the best available techniques at the time. And I think you know we're in this we're in this accelerated you know pattern of 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 ESG sustainability whatever whatever moniker we want, we want to add to it coming of age. Um, but unfortunately, it's coming. It's coming at, at, at you know coming of age in a time where <clears throat> it doesn't have all the support that it needs in order to get there. And there's almost the expectation management now is um, is immense to to you know achieve a target in in some instances like our own in nine years for some people, <laughs> you know, 19 years. Uh, we're talking. I, I can't think of another industry which has had almost had this kind of ticking clock set in the same kind of way. Um, one thing I would sort of, you know, w- without trying to do complicated and trying to keep this as simple as we can, I think the critical part to a lot of this is around. It's around doing things together. Um, and when I say it's a bit more than collaboration, collaboration can almost seem like a little bit of a, a slightly step back version of working together. Um, you know, we can all agree with one another and, and, and we can all agree from different sides of the table that something needs to be done. But we do need to work together and particularly in real estate, the, the, the landlord tenant relationship comes up time and time and time again. And it's very, very difficult when you're in a situation where you actively have to manage you know, that situation to work out what is the best way of getting to this collaborative position. I think at the moment it's very difficult in our sector because as the landlord you're seen as the as as everything in the in the equation um and it's almost as if we we have to try and foresee anticipate and execute something that we we're not in control of in some instances um so i think this this element of of trying to get the occupiers bought into the process as well is really really critical because you know if we if we remove the building but aside for one moment, and and I think you know we all agree that I think that the expertise and and the intellectual BHP is out there. Harnessing it's a different thing, obviously, but it's out there. Um, but getting to how these things actually operate is the final, if you like, it's the full stop to the sentence. And if you don't get that right, then it doesn't matter how great your building is. It doesn't matter what hybrid technology, long life, loose fit naturally ventilated, low embodied carbon. If someone's using it incorrectly or using it, you know, um, in, in, a, in, a pretty, uh, in a pretty unsympathetic way, then we're not getting there. I think that's the bit where we need um, ultimately one of, the, one of the biggest pushes, if you like. Market, for, market forces will be market forces. And as, as Andrew sort of said, you know, if the, if the clear signals are sent, the market will start to turn. Um, it, will t- it takes a lot of brave leadership in some instances to make some of those decisions and push those through the supply chain because at the moment the supply chain isn't always as receptive because they are almost looking to test you in your in your ability to sort of say right i would like this or we want to see this um so there is there is this this sort of transition we're still going through there but for me it's that underlying part of, and then likewise companies like ourselves that are the ones commissioning these sorts of assets um and sometimes in, in in our 
in our respective business models like ours, you end up running them as well. Um, you know, we, you know, we have to work, you know, a lot more uh, hand in hand with our peer group to ensure that everybody is saying the same thing to the marketplace. And I think I'll refer back to the BBP's climate change commitment, where effectively that's that's one of the first steps that I can certainly sort of pinpoint with with a great deal of accuracy. So that's the first time that we've all collectively sort of set out a similar journey, similar aspiration similar way of doing things so looking at how you scoop out your boundary for net zero what it means what are the constituent parts what are the actions that we're going to take which then filters down to the supply chain so for example where andrew works so if if if, if he's got three or four uh, uh, clients saying the same thing it surely it's going to make the life a little bit easier as opposed to trying to sort of cut a cloth sort of four or five different ways under the guise of net zero, but actually not all of them are net zero, some of them are more net zero than others. You know, that that sort of thing most definitely. But it's this, and I say, I'll go back to that first bit about uh, looking at other industries where they do actively try and collaborate in order to ensure that they're pushing the whole, that whole marketplace along. Thank you, um, John. Andrew, would that um, proper collaboration make your life much easier? Uh, I think it possibly would. Yeah, I think that um, one one of the things we try and do now we are obviously a, a, a small an SME, uh, but with our landlords we've signed green leases. So you know we're trying to work in a collaborative way with our with our landlords to try and decarbonise our the office space that we have um, over our timescale. Um, and it is about uh, taking those opportunities. You know, with existing buildings, they're going to be a really big part. You know, if uh, eighty percent of the building stock is going to be with us, you know, by the time we're meant to be at net zero, then it's obviously about retrofit. That, you know, that's going to be a key factor in this. So taking those opportunities, when instead of just repairing, to to upgrade and replace, are going to be key. Um, you know, if new build, I think it's, I think it's fairly simple from an operational perspective for a new build. Uh, uh, offices and uh, construction to be net zero enabled or net zero compatible by 2030. So we need to go a little bit beyond where we are in terms of fabric performance, and we need to electrify and get rid of uh, you know gas and fossil fuel combustion equipment within our buildings, and that's that's us enabled. Uh, in terms of the retrofit, I think that at the next you know the next stage of replacement for a boiler, then there needs to be a plan in place, uh, as Andreas said, that. Uh, to decarbonize that. Um, so I think that is key. And I think it's 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 interesting hearing everyone talking um, you know, from a totally different perspective uh, that I, I see construction. Um, and I think that partnership I think is key. And surely, surely all of your tenants are going to be uh, looking for, you know, at their own their own uh, carbon accounts um, and looking to net zero or or become decarbonized themselves. So it's surely going to be higher and up higher and higher up people's agendas. Let's hope so. I'd like I'd like to talk about I guess speed and effort. So if we take a snapshot of the market today or where we sit today and what we need to do, and if um if we say say to your nine year um deadline, John, if we do everything we need to do to get to that point in nine years time, for those who have a nineteen year deadline, does what they need to do speed up or slow down, and where do the priorities Need to need to be if we do indeed have this massive resource issue that's coming because we're building a, a Paris a week. Uh, um, how do we how do we deal with that and what does the ebb and flow look like? Obviously, they'll benefit from the, from the, from those moving. <laughs> I think there's an, there's an element of that. And I think 
everybody's got to cut their cloth accordingly and everybody's businesses are different everybody's businesses are sized differently there's different complexities all those sorts of things that that go to shape their their time horizon i think i think that but what but what you tend to find is is that underneath the all underneath all of that are the same principles come through quite clearly and i think you know once once an organization starts on that journey particularly if you look at if you look at energy reduction so the first part of any net zero journey should be looking at that critical reduction pit stop that's the first place that everybody you know in on the on the on the strip mall of everything net zero the first shop you enter is your is your car is your energy and your carbon reduction shop i think within there that is where a lot of the key battles are won and lost um because ultimately you know if you if you cannot get your demand down it it almost sort of says well you know what where are you focusing your 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 efforts genuinely hand on heart are you really going at this because obviously the further down the strip more you go you're in the last shop you should be entering is your is your is your offset shop uh because we all have to recognize that the real estate sector unfortunately will come with residual emissions that just can't be managed out it's it's as simple as that um but before you get to that stage don't rush to that stage you should be looking at that reduction and i think those that are on the longer time horizon with a more complicated business will find that they're going to reap massive benefit in that first in that first pit stop and if they can really start to grapple with that reduction portion and a lot of that you know as andres was saying about scope three we're beginning to really unpack that particular box and really understand what the difficulty looks like and i think also what i would say is that things like the ghg protocol i think are something like that is going to have to be updated to reflect now the complexities that we are finding so for example how do you account for the transition of carbon from ownership to acquisition ownership to acquisition etc etc they're playing the whose carbon is it game anyway. At the moment, we're still not sure about those sorts of things. And as we move on, and as we get more precise and more um, and more inquiring, all these little interesting quirks of the system, quirks of what we take for granted today, I think are going to come through and show some unintended consequences, um, which is going to be interesting because one of the things that certainly we were discussing here internally was when we look at things like that, accounting protocol the tool that we're supposed to use to express to everybody how well uh, we're doing and what our footprint looks like the more questions we then start to ask and so i think that's one of the things as you as you start to really get under the bonnet of that stuff you're going to look at but i think that's the part of that ebb and flow we're going to see the sort of in some situations we're going to take two steps forward and sometimes three steps back and then sometimes three steps forward and only one step back and i think that's I suppose the the beauty of one of these, and sometimes the sort of the the slightly um, you know uh, ugly nature of the journey that you know is not going to be straightforward, which goes back to your earlier point, Sam, about it will it will meander, and sometimes we might go back on ourselves to go forward on ourselves a little bit. Thank you, Andres. You you mentioned those unintended consequences again right at the right at the top of this this conversation. I wonder if you could. Um, Talk us through a, a few more of those and the impact that you see them having on the on perhaps this non-linear line to net zero. Indeed, um, I think it is a geographical challenge. On uh, on one level, the decarbonisation pathways for electricity grids in different countries look very different, and 
what that could mean is that certain countries become less or more attractive for investment over a specific period of time. Um, also, certain property sectors um, might just be more difficult to shift the carbon emissions because of uh, who owns it, if it, whether it sits with the uh, uh, with a tenant as opposed to the landlord, how much operational control you have, how complex the systems are. Um, and as a, as a result, I just think that, um, you know, what, what we see is that uh, there could be differences in how capital is allocated as a result. Um, you know, if we if we were to say um, we will only only invest in buildings of a certain uh, quality or that meet certain standards, does that mean you have to divest from certain geographies or um, from certain property types? What does it mean for the composition of your portfolio? Um, so you know, it's a, it's a really complex set of factors and and. Um, I think what we are conscious of is walking blindly into it without thinking about those consequences, um, you know, might end up in a different place um, from where we perhaps intend to be. Um, you know, another example would be if a definition or a framework were to put more emphasis on operational carbon as opposed to embodied carbon. What does that mean? Does that mean it incentivizes knocking down buildings that, that don't perform well in favor of building really energy efficient ones? And, you know, so it's it, it's all of those things that it's a it's an incredibly complex landscape and um, not, and uh, the understanding just have to evolve further further over time and become more refined and and understand that certain definitions frameworks might be more, more applicable in, in uh, you know for a specific use it it sounds like it there's there's so much going on that there needs to be quite i mean it's a it's a slow journey but a quick one isn't there and there's a, it's a lot of a lot of change that's needed a lot of forward thinking and i wonder whether real estate is is fluid enough and um is able to adapt quickly enough to to really be able to to continue on on this journey and and, and get to the point that we absolutely need it need it to get to um jonathan or andrew any any thoughts on that jonathan yeah i'll, I'll shoot um yes I, I think there's more out there than ever before to do in the day job um it's encouraging um, to, to sort of uh, see what, what's out there in the space and, and you know, the, the multitude of um, certification schemes that now offer an asset level route to net zero. Um, you've got um, EPCs that now have the highest banding that say the words net zero on it. Um, there's also just been a couple of recent consultations on EPCs being um, C by 2027 and b by 2030 and already the phones are ringing with clients just wondering what on earth to do they've got tenants that are due to potentially have a break clause at 2025 and does that mean that there's an opportunity for them to use the epc framework as that um lever to take action on net zero and Briam in use um their latest um, version six was revised so that top marks would achieve 
net zero. But then something in my head is bringing me back to data and the ability for all of us through sort of open data channels to be able to mine each other's data or dare I say it, what is publicly available. So EPCs are out there, but I find them quite tricky to navigate in terms of having a global view. Um, Briam information is out there. CoStar has some. And I know Briam are starting to make more data available. But actually, the understanding within the bulk of the industry is Bream is is often thought to be more design related. And actually, that's great for embodied carbon. But actually, the in-use side of it is so important for us on this journey to um, a specific target in the future for any type of business on net zero. It brings me back to the point that Andres mentioned at the start around um, data and this time rather than it being around certification and the many different um, routes out there. It's also about the fact that many different real estate businesses and occupiers are at varying stages of their journey in terms of reporting and disclosure. And, you know, from sort of my knowledge of um, John, your company, Derwent, and, you know, being listed, there's a lot of things that are just non-negotiable and your data, no doubt, is in a good state with a good software sort of platform behind it. And we are still talking to real estate businesses about making that jump, about finding out where all aspects of energy are used within a building, getting the metering right and uh, then uh, reducing estimations. So this, this data cleanse across the industry is present within the operation of buildings. And as John said, your first point of call is then efficiency measures. What can we do? Um, uh, but also I think there's a lot of distraction out there as well. But with distraction is opportunity. And I guess my point sort of by way of introduction um, on, on this podcast is around resourcing these opportunities wisely. And businesses understanding that, um, yes, there are commercial opportunities to be had, but it's the risk of falling behind or not keeping up with peers, which has to see this investment in resource, in people to drive this as a much greater return than just the sort of two or three years. We're looking 10, 20, 30 years ahead to protect the, um, the health of our industry and for those that inherit it um, beyond our time. A, a good plea there. I like it. Thank you very, very much. And of course, it's a it's a big issue in real estate because, yes, we do have um, uh, great property owners who are really focused on on the future. But there's also a whole lot of this industry that is made up of individuals who are holding a property for a pension purpose and, and maybe, you know, not a professional professional landlord and will not know where to start with this. So they're their path, they um, may be, you know, filled with rubble and they can't even even get through it. So how do we, I guess, how do we make sure that there is a, a role for those individual landlords or those smaller landlords out, out there, or, or not just landlords, let's talk about the whole of the supply chain to really get in, involved and make sure that they, they're on the path to, to net zero and they, and they can follow it. Andrew, any thoughts from you on that one? Uh, it's a it's a really tricky question actually. The, I mean that the, uh, Jonathan you just mentioned the, the sort of reform to the, the PRS sort of regulations and the changes to the EPC uh, for lease buildings, and I think that's that's going to feel quite stressful. I think to a lot of people who are who are letting commercial space because it's not a lot, not very far in the future. Um, so I think I, I think everyone has to move, 
and the the regulations changing and the enforcement of those regulations i think um will be the catalyst for that it's quite i think it's quite nice that they've introduced a step change you know rather than having a step change sorry they've introduced a waypoint uh, to get to epcb and i think that will make sure that uh, you know there's something that people can tackle the low hanging fruit some fantastic thanks andrew and thanks. so i think this is a this is a, a conversation that i feel that we could talk for hours uh, about but we don't sadly have hours but there will be other episodes i'm i'm sure um and you know we've we've weaved about um uh, on this conversation because there is so much to to unpack as we as we travel towards net zero what i'd love from each of you to to wind up our conversation and leave our listeners with with something to take a take away is your i guess your your one big ask of the sector, any any part of it, any part of that supply chain, to ensure that whatever shape that path takes, we we don't deviate too much from it. Uh, Andres, I'm going to start with you. So I think we we touched on Bream and we touched on Lead. Um, someone is go, is able to go out to the market and when there's a BREAM certification or LEED certification to a building, they know what they're getting. Uh, you can get that with carbon neutrality. You cannot get that with uh, with net zero carbon at the moment. So I think there's, there's definitely a need for a building level certification scheme um, and common common definition therefore of you know what can be described because that gives certainty to the market. It's investable um, and you know, we, we're seeing a lot of work going into due diligence processes to understand what do the assets that we take on look like and how far they are. So I think better clarity around that and specifically a certification scheme will help to accelerate change. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Jonathan. Um, I would ask for um, senior figures within real estate to continue to be communi communicative, visible, and really lead from the front. Um, and, and that falls within sort of um, the investment managers um, through to consultants and uh, managing agents. I think it's, it's really for them to sort of show the way and make it clear that this is um, on the highest, this is this is at the highest uh, level being discussed and, and they've got a plan. And in that way, I feel that um, some of these points that we've picked up today can at least uh, be joined up as this level of convergence between um, sort of investor, landlord and tenants become closer than ever before. Fantastic. Thank you, Jonathan. Andrew. I, I think um, maintain the focus on operational energy and uh, reducing carbon emissions, but also don't forget about embodied carbon um, and the way we approach uh, retrofits and the way we approach uh, commercial building over the next decade. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Last but by no means least, John. Oh, these big questions. You're getting really good at these, Sam. Um, <laughs> My one, my one call would be, and it, it picks up on your your point, um, for, for those that haven't laid and put down their stake in the ground, can can those that haven't yet, that are thinking perhaps they might want to, I just really call out and say, yes, please, 
please put it in the ground, make make the call, um, come and come and join those already that have. Um, you know, come and talk to us, talk to me, talk to my opposite numbers in, in various different uh, property companies. Um, we are trying our best to be open. We're trying our best to work together for common solutions on this. So please come and join us. Be part of the 20, not the 80. Excellent. 20 plus, that's what we'll go for. That's it. 20 plus. Excellent. So that gives me four good good um, key points to keep us on, on a path which is let's find a common definition and have a certification so that everybody understands what it is that that we are aiming for and we can all um, work to the same same goal. Lead from the front and um, those leaders should be op open and allow others to, to follow. Like um, focus on energy, but don't forget that stuff that's al already there. We've got a lot of inbuilt uh, embodied carbon that will need to be need to be sorted out and if you haven't taken that first step it's time to take it there's no there's no day like the present and it does sound like there are open doors and a real real willingness to collaborate and, and really make a difference and I've said it before and I will say it again many a times but I think that this is one really special area where real estate can make a, a really positive change and show show the wider world exactly what it is and the and the power that it can have for for good so thank you so much for a really fascinating conversation i look forward to the next already because there's so much more to to unpack but for today thank you for joining us on the eg property podcast john jonathan andrew and andres Thank you for joining us for this episode of the EG Property Podcast. We hope you found the content insightful and helpful. If you'd like more of the same and to keep up with all the latest news, views, analysis and research that the EG Group has to provide, be sure to sign up to all of our property podcasts and subscribe to Radius Data Exchange for unlimited access to all of our content and comprehensive commercial real estate data. Music